Grab yourself a biscuit. It's the CA3 Cup of Tea series. Hello, hello, and welcome to our September episode of the CA3 Cup of Tea series. As you know, I'm your host, Sarah Wardle from CA3, and we've created this podcast for the HR talent community and anyone really who's interested in exploring specific areas of employee engagement and experience. And I'm excited to say our topic for today is resilience. That is to say, assessing and recruiting for resilience. With workplaces facing more change than ever before, an increasing number of organisations are looking to recruit resilient individuals who can overcome challenges and deal well with setbacks, who thrive in high pressure situations. But with the war for talent on overdrive and many companies wanting the same thing, how can we assess resilience in individuals? To help answer this, I've invited James Crichton from Omni RMS onto the podcast today. James has just joined Omni as Head of Assessment, helping organisations change the way they resource for the better. James has many years of experience focusing on talent acquisition, talent management and occupational assessment. So, welcome to the Cup of Tea series, James. How are you today? Yeah, hi Sarah. It's going really well, thanks. Good. Um, I know you've listened to a few of our recent podcasts, so you know what it's all about. Um, have you got a cup of tea, uh, possibly a biscuit ready for our chat? I have an extra strong coffee for uh, for this okay, time in the morning. Do. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, everyone says that. It's, it's the caffeine <laughs> hit they need. Absolutely. Cool. Um, so um, you've obviously, I say just joined, it was a few months ago now, but you've recently joined Omni RMS as head of assessment. Um, how, how's it all going? Yeah, going really well. So yeah, I'm two months in now. Um, joined at a, a fascinating time. I think the recruitment world is, um, as you say, it's a bit unprecedented. So um, yeah, it, it's it's fabulous. Um, and I've I've worked with Omni in the past as part of their supply chain. So it's been a um, a very comfortable uh, start to joining people that I've uh, that I've that I've worked with from some distance before. But now I'm um, now part of the team, which is fabulous. Yeah, that's always the best way to start, isn't it? I, I hope they gave you a good onboarding process. Of course. <laughs> we wouldn't be doing what we do if we didn't do that properly. No. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I, I know you feel passionately about assessment because we've spoken before. Um, how how do you think organisations uh, can improve their assessment processes to, to help recruit the right candidates, especially, you know, um, with all these vacancies um, popping up now. Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing is, and this will be frustrating, but there's no magic bullet. <laughs> there's no one answer that, that says if you do X, Y, and Z, then you're going to have you're going to have the best results. Um, so for different organisations, different roles, there are different challenges. Now, right now, and I've been in this world for twenty something years, the shortage of particular groups of talent. So if we're thinking drivers, chefs. Um, yeah. call center you know there's there's genuine challenges there and um there the, the the key around the assessment there is being able to identify potential so it's about saying if we've got someone coming into into these roles are they capable of doing the role and they're capable of doing it in the right way so having a really structured approach to it now for class one hgv drivers there's an there's an additional piece around functional competence and um you know licenses and and, and the yes, like as well course. so we can't you know we yeah. can't look at that so sometimes it's about taking a longer term view um but the most frequent topic i talk about when i'm consulting with a client is it's about understanding what you're looking for 
So being yeah. really clearly defining what it is that you require from someone and whether that be knowledge, skills, behaviors, motivations, but what's actually going to make them good you know, and, and perform successfully. And all too often, and, and you know, most of the time, that's not done in a particularly scientific way. So I'll often be what a manager thinks and, um, you know, the, this is what the sort of person that worked well last time. And actually, when you go down that route, you can drastically limit your talent pool, which is bad in a yeah. talent short position. And also there are massive knock-ons through to diversity inclusion um, as well if you're, if you're you know, recruiting someone because they're like you and because you feel comfortable with them. Um, you know, that's a negative. So I think um, more broadly, it's about having a wide gate that you can bring your talent pool through and then being able to really effectively assess them in terms of their ability to be able to perform um, or their potential to be able to perform in a role. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and today we're focusing on, on resilience. Why do you think it's such an important quality? Um, do you think resilience? Because people talked about it a lot yeah. recently. <laughs> so people, people talk about resilience for, I don't know, the last seven or eight years, it's been, it's been mm. a hot topic. Um, the past 12 months it's been an absolutely yeah. scorching topic <laughs> um and it's because of the situation we're in at the moment so so when i talk about resilience what i'm thinking of is the ability to overcome setback and challenge effectively uh, and maintain mm-hmm. performance so when we sort of in the occupational context talk about resilience there are two sides to it so one is a well-being focused side so you want more resilient people because they will be happier um yes. they will be more comfortable and well-being obviously has been quite a again quite a hot topic at the moment with people being more isolated and working from home um, and the other side is more about performance um they link together obviously because someone that feels happier and more comfortable and is less personally less stressed is likely to perform better in their role and make yeah, decisions um so i think that for those reasons right now organizations that are already under pressure are seeing significant attrition in lots of areas so um, i don't know if you've seen there's a, there's a concept called the great resignation which is being talked about at the moment okay. um, being led out of the states um but there is a prediction that a lot of people are going to be resigning their roles um over the over the coming months because they are burnt out or feel unhappy or can't work from home as much as they wanted to and in, in terms of resilience you know do, is this a difficult we've obviously seen the importance of it but is yeah. this a difficult quality do you think to assessing candidates because it, it must be hard to to see it from one or two interviews yeah. but but maybe if people give examples I don't know how, yeah how, how would you it's, say it's, what's hard about resilience is that what can be stressful to one person might not be stressful to someone else. So if we're thinking yes. about the ability to overcome a challenge, um, and I was doing some work with, a, with an organization last week where we were looking at some attrition within their customer services team. Um, and when we were going through what it was that, you know, the reason for people leaving, and effectively when we're doing that, what we're looking at is what is causing stress, you know, in, in this particular mm-hmm. area. And what we found is a lot of their high performers didn't find it stressful at all because they were they didn't find an angry customer stressful it just was you know as part of their job they took it yes (laughs) you know it's it's, you know those people it's literally water or not literally it's um figuratively water off a duck's back um in terms of that so they didn't think they were resilient um they just said well this is what i do this is my job and i'm happy if someone wants to vent at me actually i'm helping them they see it as a positive um Mm -hmm. and so if we 
if we go into that, one of the interesting things with that from an assessment perspective is if you ask the standard competency question of, can you give me a time you've dealt with a difficult customer? Some of those really, really competent high performers can't answer that question because they can't think of a difficult customer because they don't see a customer as being difficult. How interesting. So, yeah, yeah and, and that works across lots of different areas. So that works in the same with people that are very adept to change. So sometimes mm-hmm. people will not consider themselves to be particularly um you know, again, can you talk about the time you had to innovate or, or to change something? Then some people at, at all levels will struggle to answer that question if they work in very high change environments, because to them, it's the norm. It's just work. Yes. So because of that, because it's difficult to establish what is going to be stressful sometimes to someone, um, how you then assess that in a disparate group of individuals becomes a different, you know, it becomes, becomes a more difficult thing. Um and in terms of resilience as a concept of someone either being resilient or not being resilient, again, I think that that's potentially becoming a more outdated concept in that resilience is more about um, someone can be very resilient, very able to overcome a challenge in one situation, but completely fall apart in another yes. situation. Um, so it's more about situationally what what do you need? What what the preferences, what tactics, what behaviours do you need to have to be able to get you through this particular situation or this particular environment or this particular challenging customer? And that's what it's about focusing on. Um, and when I start a lot of these conversations, and as you've identified, I'm having these conversations quite frequently at the moment, mm. it's less about find me resilient people and it's more about find me people that cope well or even enjoy working in this environment. And I guess that's it, it must be quite hard. And I guess there's, you know, can psychometric tools be used to help assess this? I don't think a psychometric, in iso- I'm going to do my own best practice piece. Here. I don't think a psychometric <laughs> in isolation is going to be um, a particularly valid tool, but psychometric as part of a broader process absolutely yes. can be. Um, there is a, if you type into Google resilience test, you will come up with hundreds and hundreds of um varying degree of quality assessments that can that can be can be used to support this and broadly they fall into two camps there will be some that will purport to tell you whether your candidate is resilient or not so whether they can overcome challenges or are less able to do so Um, and some that will talk to where someone draws their resilience from so whether that's their very goal oriented so they'll keep going or they're very optimistic and things that i kind of talked about previously Um, my personally i find the latter more useful um, I think it's very useful to understand where someone draws their resilience from and then to use that um, as you would do a for people that are familiar with psychometric assessments or what we used to call personality profiles to use that as part of a conversation to say okay well you appear to have preferences that sit within here or here um, how does that impact how have you used that within your role how do you, you know, how, how, what are the tactics that that employs and also where do you find that it doesn't work so well where do you find that you do find yourself in particular under particular stress or um, particular situations yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned a few clients you've been working with very recently, but, you know, have any of them seen real kind of tangible results from assessing in this way, you know, as opposed to maybe a year ago when they weren't doing that? Have they seen, it's it's so hard to quantify, isn't it? Because there's, there's so many different variables. Yeah. But have they seen? Yeah, you know, abso- absolutely. So um, you're right, it's hard to quantify. So I don't want to overstate necessarily. There are lots of variables in a very changeable world. Yeah. Um, but certainly I was working with a sales team of, a, of an organization who were having particularly high early stage attrition. So people joining the company and leave bouncing out pretty quickly, basically. Yeah. And they were putting that down to... Uh, 
effectively too too high a workload, too too much pressure. Um, and they were also starting to see some longer standing members of the team um, leaving as well. And they were, you know, they're very good. Um, they were they were doing exit interviews. They were looking at the reasons why. And the messaging was coming back that kind of a combination of, of I think probably burnout and also working from home, lack of lack of social cohesion, um, was impacting. So we did a piece of work where. As I've described, we looked at okay, well, what's the actual challenges here? You know, what's what's actually the stress that someone's being caused? Is it the fact that they're you know, all their prospects are telling them to take a running jump? Is it there's too much work? Is you know whatever it is? And we kind of we drilled down into that, and actually there were some pretty specific areas, and it was it was mostly to do with with workload as opposed to more qualitative, difficult customers. Actually, people seem to be able to cope okay. with that quite well. Um, we then um, looked at what it was within the organisation or the people within the organisation that were that were best able to cope. So we went through, as I've kind of described, in terms of well, what are the behaviours, um, what are the preferences of those people that that cope well, and we really dug into that and identified, okay, well, that there are certain behaviours, there are certain tactics that are being employed, either innately so someone has a you know an, uh, a natural preference to work in this mm. way or a learned behavior you know it's actually naturally they're not so much so being organized for example was one so working in a really organized way was really important in terms of being able to be resilient so knowing what you're going to do okay. when you're going to do it and working in a planned way was really important and actually um so this is where a psychometry can help. So you can look and say, well, this person appears to be more more organized, more planned than is a typical. Um, so that can be a useful thing to, to know and explore. What that what that's led to is there are less people bouncing out. So we haven't been doing it for long enough to know the long term, but certainly in terms of short term, the first three, four months, we are making better hiring decisions or they are making better hiring decisions in terms okay, of great. people bouncing out. What it's also done is it's allowed a much better understanding of being resilient offering support and the ways that employees will will support themselves and the environments they might find themselves will be stressful so managers can have conversations that can identify when someone's likely to be feeling under pressure um, yes. and can address that much more early um, and have a much more specific conversation because there's now a vocabulary um, that we can use to address this so we can talk about mm -hmm. um, you know things like optimism about being organized goal orientation um, quite frankly quite HRE words uh, quite accessory words um, but it means that that vocabulary is there to say okay well where do you need support do you need me to help you in this area um, or I've seen that, that that call seems like it was particularly difficult that client's been to customers quite particularly difficult and I know that that might have triggered you because they were questioning your um, credibility and we know that that's likely to cause you stress um, so it allows those conversations to happen and so the you know the, the key mark at the moment of early stage attrition has improved um, and then anecdotally from managers managers feel that better hires are being made yeah, and I guess the actual people joining, um, they 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 maybe understand the role more clearly, yeah. um, you know, because they're because their managers or their HR teams are actually giving them more information around the role and what they need need to succeed. Yeah, um, and that kind of leads quite nicely actually onto onboarding because, um, you know, you've obviously you know you've attracted the right person um you've obviously gone through that extra level of looking at the resilience of that person to see whether they fit to that role and have the resilience for that particular role um but the fact that that person then probably understands a bit more about the role than maybe they hadn't because they've had good onboarding um you know it's it, it's probably critical really to make sure that person is is more aware during that onboarding stage um of of what to expect than if they then find out everything on kind of day one yeah. um I, I, yeah I, I guess that's you know 
that is a, a big part of it. It's not just about the HR team. It's also about the expectations of, of the new joiner. It's exactly that. So I think, I mean, I, I'm, I can get evangelical about this. So I'll try not to, but I think that the amount of information that a decent assessment process provides around an individual joining a business is, is huge. Um, and often that is, you know, the, the forgotten, the slate is wiped clean on day one and you start mm. again. But if you're carrying that through, um, for people that are familiar with assessment methodologies, this, what we're talking about here really is a strengths-based approach. So if we understand authentically um, where someone draws their energy from, what they're good at, what they um, what they enjoy doing, um, and then can get them to display that or practice that early stage in their role, they are likely to feel more comfortable. They're likely to, um, to onboard better. And there's, there's been lots of studies about this. Um, so absolutely that. If you know where someone is very effective at being resilient so you know the situations they deal with really well um, and you allow them to practice that they will they will deal well um, the flip side the more developmental side or the more supportive side is if you know there are situations where someone is likely to feel more challenged or to feel more stressed get in front of it um, you know acknowledge it and I think actually there is more of an appreciation now and I don't think this is just about the pandemic but I think the pandemic has mm. has heightened this to you know it's okay not to be okay kind of conversations um where you don't have to just put on the strong front all the time so some of those there is more permission for some of those conversations and to say you know you might be finding this difficult and you know these are the ways that we can support you but but having that understanding and you're absolutely right in terms of um probably not quite a warts and all but best definitely a realistic um presentation of these are you know, these are likely challenges that you might face or these are the times where you might feel we need more support at the front end will we'll inevitably help people um when they get enrolled because it doesn't come as a surprise to them and i think um anyone that's worked in recruiting for a long time will know that um, role not as described is probably the most often cited um, reason <laughs> for someone bouncing out of a job yes um yeah. and yeah, sometimes that's true. Um, often that's true. Um, so the more we can warn and and promote the fact that you know there's a reason we need someone doing this job, and it's because there are difficulties, there are challenges, um, and yes. that's and that's why we need you. Um, and so yeah, so being forewarned is is certainly being forearmed here. Definitely, and role not as described could mean so many different things, couldn't it? That could mean your manager, that could be your team, that could be the actual work, it could be the culture, it could be literally anything. So I yeah. suppose it's quite a general reason and the other the other thing i'm kind of interested in and something we've been talking with our clients at eli about is linking those assessment results to kind of tailor the training offered at the onboarding stage so kind of almost you understand there's going to be you've already touched upon it but you understand there's going to be a weakness in certain areas and being upfront and honest at the onboarding stage and saying actually here's some training you guys can do to to get yourself ready um for that and i think candidates would really appreciate that you know we still want to hire you because you've got all of these amazing strengths but actually this is where we think you need to develop yourself um you know saying that in the right way and, and yeah. giving those the opportunity i think that's an amazing development opportunity for people and, and something i don't think companies are doing enough of i agree and i think so i think that what we're seeing and there's been a general drive to a coaching style of management um over i don't know over the past decade or so so that kind of manager is a bit more of a coach and this lends itself very well to that so that very individualized um support you know whether super formal um or, yeah. or more manager uh, employee led um is, is is incredibly powerful um and absolutely having that increase of self-awareness and increase of awareness of one's team allows those conversations to be happen much more effectively it also allows for, for a more strategic 
piece to identify that we know we know that there are particular things that we can support people to work on so yeah from an onboarding um perspective the ability to identify is is is, is hugely powerful absolutely so anyway we've we've probably talked quite a lot now about about resilience but i think that's probably about all we have time for today um but i'd like to thank james um uh, from omni rns for joining us today uh, and giving us some really useful insights into recruiting and assessment um and as i said uh, for those of you who'd like to hear more please please follow us uh, and james on linkedin um or subscribe um to download more episodes um and until next time um goodbye thanks james thanks sir CA3 is an award-winning employer brand agency. They're also the creators of Eli, very engaging onboarding tech. To find out more, type CA3 into Google.